Thank you, worship team. Thank you so much for that powerful worship, you know. Um, yes, good evening, everybody. My name is Pastor Kim, and I'm glad to bring you the word today. And the title of my sermon is How to Endure. Um, we have landed on 2 Timothy 2 today. Um, and this 2 Timothy is actually a letter written from the Apostle Paul to his mentee, Timothy, uh, who is pastoring the church of Ephesus. Now, I'm not sure if any of you uh, re remember this or whether we ever said that on the pulpit, but actually this is the last letter of Paul before he gets beheaded. Now, I know it's a little morbid this, uh, this Saturday evening to be talking about uh, being executed, but this is actually the last letter that Paul wrote before he was executed. And so um, the letter is believed to be um, written to Timothy to encourage him to endure the hardship that he was going to go through. Now, what are some of the hardships that we have to endure? Like, have you thought, what are the hardships? Like, obviously, we're not living in a war-torn place, so I'll kind of, you know, none of us are in jail or, you know, in prison, so our hardships are a little different. But what do you think are some of the hardships that we go through today? Anybody, you know, you're thinking about hardship, like this Saturday evening, and like encouraging you to think of the hardship? Well, some of the hardships we have can be very different, right? Because we are in different seasons of life and we're all very different. So our perception of hardship is very different. Now, I remember a few years ago when I was leading a cell, um, I brought my whole cell uh, to a mission trip in Sabah. Uh, and back then, yeah, Sabah, right? We, that we will travel all the way to Sabah. And, and in my cell, it consists of like... Um, pretty new Christians as well as um, young Christians, right? So when I went there, you know, I had to prepare them, tell them, oh, you know, you have to pray, prepare yourself spiritually, etc., etc. And then I felt like maybe I should prepare them as well that when you go to Sabah in the interior, there's not going to be any proper toilets. Now, to me, going for mission trips, my hardship was actually not clean toilets, so that was my hardship, right? But then I was telling them, they were like, okay, no toilets, okay, we, we, can, we can go through this, we can endure this for the sake of the gospel, right? For the sake of going for the mission trip. And then I think that's when we were like talking about the trip and I thought, okay, you know, they seem very ready to go for the mission trip, praise the Lord. And then one of them asked me like, okay, um, like which telco is like the best for internet, you know? And I was like, um, I didn't tell you, but there's no internet. And they're like, what? No internet? Like, like, is it just poor internet or like no internet? I'm like, no internet, dude. And they were like, my life is going to end. And, and one of them was like, I'm not joking, right? One of them is like this big influencer. He has like 40,000, 50,000 followers. He was like, what, is gonna, what, are, what are my followers going to think? They'll think like I died or something like that. I haven't like, you know, I post about myself and like, what are they going to think, right? And, and so that, that was the kind of hardship that they had when we talk about mission. And I remember another cell member of mine, he was like, oh, there's like this soccer match. How are we gonna find out, you know, the, the, the score, right? And then um, we actually managed to, like a certain areas of the interior, right? There's a bit of like signal, right? But not for internet, just for a phone line, right? And then he's like, oh, cell got good line. And then they were like, you know, like, yeah, we got line, we got line, we can call home, we can call home. And then I was like, Listening to the conversation, right? I was like, you know, I thought he was gonna call his girlfriend to say, oh, I miss you so much, et cetera, et cetera. And he was like, what was the score yesterday for soccer? What was the score? And then he was like, that was his focus, right? So 
I realized that actually everybody has very different understanding of what hardship is. Anybody have any guesses what is Pastor Isaac's hardship? <laughs> I shall throw him under the bus like he always does to me. Um, anybody, any guesses? No coffee? No, no, he's past that already. But believe it or not, poor internet is one of his hardships. <laughs> Serious, serious. I think he would like, you know, be really, really upset when the internet is down, or even a nagging wife is one of his hardship. Okay, so let's just um, dwell into 2 Timothy 2 to find out what Paul talks about in terms of hardship. Now let's go to 2 Timothy 2, verse 1 to 13. Okay, I'm going to get you all to read, and as usual, my modus operandi is to make you all stand with me and that we will read the word together. So everybody stand up. No, let's hear the chairs. I'll just stand up. Are we ready? Are we ready to read the word of God? Amen, amen, okay. Uh, maybe I should move to the corner, yeah, so that you can read. Okay, one, let's read it together. One, two, three. like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. The hard-working farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I am saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all this. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel, for which I am suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Here is a trustworthy saying, if we die with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. Amen. You can be seated. Let me just start with a word of prayer. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your word. Father Lord, give me the authority to speak. Father Lord, give me the grace to speak. And Father Lord, bring focus and bring your Holy Spirit, Father Lord, so that each one that is here may take home, Father Lord, what the message you have for each one of them here today. I thank you, Lord, that it is your Holy Spirit that gives us revelation. It is your Holy Spirit that convicts us. And it is your Holy Spirit that will speak to us. We praise you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Okay, so how do we endure? Three things. Christ, commitment, cause. Everybody say Christ. Christ. Commitment. commitment. Cause. Okay, I'll get to it. Now we're thinking, right, what, what is endure? What does endure mean? Um, now the proper definition in English, uh, endure means to suffer something painful or difficult 
patiently. Or it can also mean to remain in existence or to last. You know, when I hear the word endure, I always think of our SIBKL tagline. Can you, can you think what tagline uh, best fits the word endure? Fly high, last long, right? To, to last, to remain in existence. Um, and this picture that you see right now here is actually a prison in Rome called Marmatine Prison. Now, this prison is said to be the place where the Apostle Paul was put in Rome when he was in chains and he was about to be executed. Now, obviously, the prison doesn't look very like clean and nice, and mind you, at that time, the prison was like a dungeon, like it's like in a hole underneath, and then they, they, can you see the hole there? They literally just lower the prisoners inside the hole, and it is said that a lot of the prisoners don't even, they can't even last that long when they're put into this prison. And you know, the thing is, you know, you know Paul, when he was writing this letter, he actually says that, I'm in prison and I'm enchained, and uh, I'm, you know, for, for the sake of the gospel. And here he is, like, look, I'm suffering, Timothy, but join me in suffering. Can you imagine writing a letter to someone and, and say, look, this is my condition? Like, imagine if you had Instagram, right? It would be like, look, I'm suffering. Come, join me. Join, join me in the suffering, right? So that, that's almost like how it feels very unusual, right? Paul was to ask him uh, to suffer together, and it's like, most of us, right, if, if you sort of, if you love someone, right, you don't, you don't want them to suffer, right? You always say, you know, I work hard for my children so that they don't have to suffer. And a lot of parents, right, they, they try their hardest to keep their kids from having to go through a suffering life, right? So a lot of us, we work hard so that we can have a stress-free life. And here it is, Paul, apparently he, I mean, he says, you know, Timothy, you're like my son, I love you. And yet he's telling Timothy, Join me in my suffering, right? So I, I believe that maybe back then, um, the concept of being a Christian, straight away, you know, when they think of the word Christianity, they always are aware of the, the fact that Christianity is kind of synonymous with suffering. Like in today's world, you know, if I say, oh, would you like to be a Christian? The first thought we think, oh, after I become Christian, like, wow, you know, Jesus is my life, so good. Which is true, yes, when Jesus is in your life, there's so good, there's joy and there's peace. But then there is also that portion of suffering um, that sometimes some Christians even wrestle with. Like, we feel like sometimes some Christians will be like, you know, um, in their faith, they believe that Christ is powerful, Christ is good. And then when they go through suffering, they wonder like, is there something wrong with my faith? Is there something wrong? But here, I'm here to tell you today that, you know, it's, suffering is not something unusual. In fact, Jesus himself says that in life, there will be trials and suffering. So, so why, did G, why did Paul ask Timothy to join him in his suffering club? Now, I said that um, how do we endure is Christ's commitment and cause. Now I'm going to go through each point, and the first point is strong from being in Christ. It says here, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now, a lot of us, when we hear the word grace, there are many meanings to it, to the word grace. But I believe that the grace that Paul is talking here is the kind of 
inner strength. It's a kind of enabling power um, for us. And a lot of Christians, sometimes we think like, wow, you know, after I become Christians, uh, zap, electricity, no more problems in my life. Um, but unfortunately, that's not true. Jesus never promised us a life without problems. What Jesus did was he promised us that he will be with us and he will help us grow through them. And so this grace is a supernatural strength that God gives, is a gift, is unmerited favor to all of us so that when we are going through a season in our life where it is painful, uh, we, we have this power that Christ gives to us. And sometimes it's very hard to explain this grace, right? Unless, until you go through something really difficult and painful, then you will realize what it means to lean on the strength of this power that Christ gave us. And, and, and you know, sometimes when we're feeling really discouraged and we're going through very difficult times, and when you quieten yourselves and you pray and you worship, you start to feel that peace of God. You start to realize that, you know, yes, my problem seems big, my mountain seems big, but Lord, you are bigger than my problems, and therefore you start having that strength, right? You start saying, hey, you know, I think I've got this. Yes, my circumstances have not changed, but you start to see things in a different way. And so I believe that this is the first thing that God's, that Paul's telling Timothy, like, you know, in all the things, when you're going through a difficult season, you have to hang on and be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And so I believe that that's why sometimes, you know, this grace is not just for, the apost for Timothy, but I believe even today, a lot of us cling on to the grace of Christ Jesus. Now, you know, quite recently, I, I, I was, uh, I, I, I'm sorry, sorry. There was a couple, <coughs> sorry. There was a couple, um, they're leaders in our church, and they just went through, like, their two-year-old just passed away. And they've remained being leaders all throughout. And, then, and I was just talking to the mother, and I was like, oh, you know, your two-year-old has just gone. And through the past, past few years, the two years, the child was also a bit sick. So there were a lot of complications going in and out of the hospital. And I was like, if anybody wanted to give up serving, would be you, right? You have every reason to give up serving. And yet, you know, they remain serving. They remain leaders in our church. And even until the day of the funeral, I was talking to the mom, and, and you know, she had such a strength in her, such a, such a joy. You know, she's, she's crying and she's grieving, but yet there was still that inner peace in her. And I believe that this is what it means to really draw strength from God. And you know, sometimes... We go through horrible things. And you know, people can give us advice and give us all kinds of solution. But sometimes, at the end of the day, when we're at home at night, we are the ones that have to go through it. And only the grace of Christ Jesus can really help us move through. So we can only draw strength from Christ Jesus. There's another thing that Paul says here, and that's why when he was battling, you know, everybody assumes that Apostle Paul has it all done, right? You know, he's strong and everything. But even he says here in 2 Corinthians, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest in me. 
And I believe that sometimes for a lot of us, um, when we're going through trouble, the first thing we do is uh, check on our friends, ask for a favor, ask for all kinds of solutions. And sometimes the last person that we go to is God. And sometimes a lot of us depend on our own capabilities, our own strength. And so we kind of edge God out. But that's why I believe that sometimes it's only when you come to the point where you're fully weak and you find like, the only strength that I will get is from Christ's power in me. Amen? Amen. So, you know, um, for some of us, we, we, we depend on ourselves and we think like, you know, I can fight this battle. But truly, there's a lot of things that we think we can fight. But can you control what happens tomorrow? Only God can control what happens tomorrow. And so I feel like sometimes um, we go to all kinds of solutions and we depend on a lot of things, but we always have to wait until we're very like desperate and then only we find God. And so, you know, I, I feel like sometimes we, we should, our first go-to should be God because it is God that will help us, that will perfect us even in our weakness. Amen. And so, apart from the grace of God, which gives us that inner peace, that security, that is one thing that Paul says is, remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead. Now, when you read the word raised from the dead, I believe that Paul was reminding Timothy that this is not just Jesus Christ, you know, the Son of God, etc., etc., but he is raised from the dead, which means that he is victorious because they say that death is like the ultimate ultimate enemy, right? Like, who else can conquer death? But Jesus, Paul, Jesus is the one that conquered death. And so there is victory in Christ. So every time you're going through like a hard time or hardship, you have to remember that you're not just going through hardship and like suffering and like there's like no, no light at the end of the tunnel. But you must remember that Jesus Christ is resurrected and he is living and therefore he will see us to the end. And so our faith is not in vain because we know that we have a victorious Christ. We know that we have a triumphant God and we're not like, uh, I'm not sure la, whether um, I can get past this problem. La. I'm not sure whether Christ will deliver me. No, we have a Christ that is victorious. So you must remember that so that when you go through hardship, you're not just so uh, bogged down by the fact that, oh, that's the end of it. There's no more light. There's no more hope because the victory of Christ gives you that hope that you need to pull through. And not just the victory of Christ, you know. He continues Paul to say, remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. Now, I was like thinking, you know, Paul, we are writing, writing all these things, right? Why write descended from David? Suddenly, right, just writing all these things, then suddenly he brings out descended from David. And I'm like, Paul, why did Paul put that in? Now, when I read this, what I see from this, I think it's, Paul reminding him that Jesus Christ is the full fulfillment from God himself. Because God told King David, so it's talking about King David, God told King David many thousand years ago that, you're, that you will always have someone seated on the throne from your seat. He actually told King David that. And true enough, many thousand years ago, Jesus Christ, a descendant of King David, sits on the throne forevermore. So every time you think about Jesus, and when he says, descended from David, you remember that this is a promise that is fulfilled from the very beginning all the way, and then you know that our God is a promise keeper. 
that we can cling to all the promises that you read in the Word. Like sometimes we read the promises of God and then we just like scheme through it and then like sometimes we will shout a few amens here and there. But when you are going through really difficult times, it is not the time to just read the Bible, oh, God has this promise, but to really declare it into your spirit to know that the promises of God is yes and amen. And you can trust this God because if He said so, it will come to pass. And so when you think that you are serving and you are in um, the presence of this God that keeps these promises from the very beginning, you start to have that, that power in you, that grace in you that knows that even if I'm going through a hard time, difficult hardship, I know that my God, in His promises, He has promised me, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You are my refuge, you are my portion. You will always know that you can cling on to Him and have the assurance of Christ. And I believe this is very key for us when we are going through hardship and we need to endure, to know that God is a promise keeper. Amen? Amen. So, you know, it's not just that, but then he ends the last few verses, um, and everyone says, um, scholars say that the last few verses, Paul is actually quoting a Christian hymn, and it says, if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. You know, so sometimes, you know, we're like, died with him, and then we're like, no, I'm not sure if I wanna die, right? But God is saying just that, like, to the point of death, even if you were to die tomorrow, you will live with him. And if you are going through such hardship, he, it's not forgotten. It's not like, you know, you go through hardship and that's the end. You will also reign with him. And even if you are faithless, even if you trip and you're, you know, you lose uh, your bearings and you lose your faith for a while, he says, you know what? Jesus will remain faithful to you. And so, you know, it's such an encouraging thing to us because when you know that even if you fail today and that God is still faithful, you know that you don't just have a powerful, victorious God, but you have a God that cares, that loves you, and that continues to, to be faithful to us even when we are faithless. And we know then when we go through suffering and hardship, it's not gonna be forever. There will come a time where the hardship and the suffering and the pain will end and it will be replaced with something joyful and, and, and wonderful, like living with Christ, reigning with Him, being with a God that is faithful with us. And I'm not sure, maybe for you, if you really love Christ, then this will be a reward to you. Like, yes, being with Christ, living with Him is, is a reward. Now the question is then, is Christ really your reward? Is He your portion? Because if Christ is not your reward, then you'll be like, uh, even if I live with him, uh, what, what, you know? So actually, this verse only um, means something to you if Christ truly is your reward. Jesus is my reward, so I hope that he is your reward for each and every one of you. That even though we may die, even though we may go through some sufferings, but we know that at the end of the day, we will live with him. Amen. So how do we endure? We have Christ. Everybody say Christ. Christ. But we also need to have commitment. I know. So like in the first part, you know, we talk about Christ. It's all good. Christ is doing this for us. It's a grace that he's given us. He's victorious. Yay. 
But then we also have our portion to play, which is commitment. Yes, we do have a part to play. Um, and Paul then goes on to talk about this, and he says, no one's serving as a soldier, or if you're competing in an athlete, or, you, or you're a hardworking farmer, you know, you need to have a commitment. And he begins to explain each one of them, and I'm just gonna go through each one. What does it mean when he says you've gotta be like the soldier, you've gotta be like the athlete, and you've got to be like the hardworking farmer? What has that got to do with us being committed? Now, the first one he talks about is the soldier. He says, no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Now, I know when you think of the word soldier, and I know there are a lot of wars that are going around, but every soldier that is enlisted, they know that there is a possibility that they may be killed. And I don't know, maybe for some of you, when you are a Christian, you know, when you said that I'm gonna be a Christian or I signed up, you know, in this ministry to serve or I signed up to be a leader in this church, et cetera. None of us actually think like, I might get killed, right? We think like, oh, we hope for the best, you know, that our serving is that. But at that point, Paul is saying your commitment must be so strong to the point where, to the extent that if you lose your life, you lose your life. And that you don't get entangled in civilian Affairs. Now, I think Paul is not saying, oh, you know, just totally don't do anything. But what is the word that I think is key here is don't be entangled to the point where it distracts you from doing the main thing, which is to please your commanding officer. And we know today who our commanding officer, who is our commanding officer? Jesus Christ. So Jesus is our commanding officer. And we put ourselves, you know, if, imagine Paul was writing to us instead of just Timothy, right? Sometimes we think like, oh, he's only writing to Timothy. But I believe he's also writing it and it, and it also affects us, right? Can you imagine that it will, you have to be so committed to the point where even if you have to go to the tough war zone, you will go. You know, I think that for soldiers, right, when they enlist themselves as soldiers, they immediately know that the war zone is not going to be comfortable. They immediately know that there is a threat. They immediately know that they have to leave their family to go to war. And so sometimes for us, we're like, wow, the price is too much to pay. But, but Paul is saying, you know, be a good soldier. And for some of us, you know, we're very gung-ho. We're like, yes, I will serve God to the ends of the world. And then when the battle gets a little hot, we're like, okay, I want to go home. I want to give up. This is too much for me. Um, and God says, be a good soldier. Because a good soldier never leaves his post. He doesn't leave his men. He continues to serve even when it gets tough, right? So that's some hard teaching, it, right? And a lot of us, you know, we, we, sometimes we want to leave our post and we forget that sometimes God puts us in certain situations and places. And God never makes mistakes, right? Right? God never makes mistakes. Sometimes you think, ah, yeah, you know, I made a mistake. I, I shouldn't have joined this thing. I shouldn't have got this job or all these kind of things. But I believe that God never makes mistakes. That wherever you are is a training ground for you, right? And, and sometimes for us, when, when things get a little tough and rough, we want to throw in the towel. And sometimes our emotions dictate our decision. Like a lot of us sometimes, you know, um, 
our, our entanglement can come in positive ways, like, oh, very good money here. So, you know, maybe, you know, it doesn't matter if I leave church or I leave ministry because, you know, I need a job that pays me this amount. So sometimes money, uh, an attractive kind of entanglement. But for some of us, which I believe, a lot of us, our entanglement will come in a negative form. For instance, offenses. Sometimes we can get pretty offended in church or while we are serving in ministry. For the cell leaders and ministry leaders, I'm sure you have somehow rather brushed with some kind of these offenses, right? And sometimes it makes us want to give up to the point where some of us, like, you know, instead of saying that I want to give up, we start blaming other people around us. We're like, yeah, you know, this church, I got this problem, lah. This boss of mine is like this, so and so and so. And then we, we refuse to accept the fact that actually we're giving up because we're offended and we're unhappy with the situation. And, and God is saying that, you know, I put you, if I've called you to be here, I've called you to be here. Don't just throw in the towel just because you're unhappy or just because, you know, you are, your emotions tell you that, you know, this is not my season anymore. All these kind of things that sometimes we use as excuses. And so I'm not saying that, you know, if you're stuck in one place, just continue to suffer. I'm not saying that. But if God has called you and you're there, you must ask yourself, why did I sign up for this in the first place? What was my intention from the very beginning? Was my intention for myself? Or was my intention always to please my master Jesus? And so when you are serving or whether you're in ministry or whether you're doing anything, you must always ask yourself, is my main goal to please the master regardless of how I feel and regardless of how horrible that condition is or how toxic that culture of that place is, is this what God wants you to be? That light to that place. Maybe that's what God's calling you. And I believe that a lot of the great men of God, like Moses, Joseph, you know, they all had to go through a lot of difficult situations. And as much as we can blame all the circumstances, the bad things that happened to them, but they were meant to be where they meant to be because God was training them and God was doing something in their lives. But sometimes a lot of us like to rationalize why we need to just give up or why we just need to quit. We rationalize that this is the better thing to do. And I, and I ask myself, you know, imagine if Paul didn't go to Rome, where would the gospel be? And, and if I was Paul, you know, I'll just rationalize, oh, yeah, just stay in Ephesus, be with Timothy. Can you imagine how much more mission trips he'll go through, how much more people he will reach the gospel with? And sometimes we rationalize, this is the better thing to do. But no, God says, go to Rome. And so, he was faithful to the call, and for that, he was beheaded. It's, it's not a, like a Disney or a fairy tale story where, yeah, Paul escapes, and then, you know, he, you know he, all things are good. But the truth of the matter in reality was Paul was executed. Now, that is the kind of commitment that Paul says we must have. Tough, tough, right? So a lot of you, you know, if you're thinking about full-time ministry, um, think again. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Please, please, there, there, there are a lot of perks and a lot of good things in full-time ministry. All right. The other commitment that he says you should have is like an athlete. And he says anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. Now, any of you have ever played a game where there's no rules? Is that unheard of? 
Every game got rule, right? If there's no rule, there's no goal, right? There is like some objective, right? There's always rules to every game. And so I believe that even in life, when we want to go through life, we want to win the victor's crown, we need to follow God's rule. We cannot decide for God, hey, uh, bend the rules a bit, uh, God. Um, no, God's rules are God's rules. He decides how long you have to endure this. He decides how much effort you need to put and how much time and, and all that that you need to put in. And so people say, scholars say that when Paul was writing this, he was actually alluding to the Greek games. And in the Greek games, it was said that before someone can even compete in the competition, they need to train for 10 months. Like, they have to train very rigorously for 10 months before they even qualified to join the games because the games were so um, great and like, you know, the standards so high, they didn't want to lower the standards. So they're like, you must show and prove that you have done 10 months of rigorous training before we even let you compete. And sometimes um, we feel like, I want to endure for Christ, I want to serve Christ, and we think like, no need to train, no need to endure, no need, just, just go, let's run with the flow. And there is no athlete that goes into competition without the goal of winning, right? And if every athlete, you know, they don't, if you want to play soccer and everything, you have to actually train for it, especially if it's a competition, right? It's not just playing for fun. It's a competition. And, and Paul actually does say our life is like a race, right? So we need to train for it. And so if we want to win the victor's crown, we have to follow the rules so that we don't get disqualified. Can you imagine before you start, you're already disqualified, right? So it's very important that when you're committed to God and you say, God, I'm going to serve you this way, so and so, because, you know, I believe you're calling me that. And then like uh, next, next week, you're like, you got bad news and then you're like, okay, maybe I changed the rules a bit, God. Now I believe that you have to keep to the rules because God gives us rules and we can't just bend it because we feel like it. We need to be committed if we want to run this race. Amen. And then the third um, example that Paul uses is the hardworking farmer. He says the hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Just, just look at this farmer right now. Now I know, I don't know if anyone here is a farmer, but uh, I, I tried planting and almost everything dies. <laughs> so I don't know what it means, but I think I do know that a farmer's job is not entirely the most exciting job. I don't think it's like, wow, so exciting, so, so sexy, right? But I believe that a hardworking farmer is someone who day in and day out has to be faithful to his task. And this day in, day out means he has to wake up really early. So for those who don't like to wake up early, uh, you know, like to sleep late, uh, Paul is saying you must be like a farmer, right? Wake up real early and go to your field, right? Uh, to, and, and the thing is, the problem with being a farmer is not like, wow, you know, I put so much effort, I guarantee we'll get crops, right? Sometimes you have other elements. What are the elements that the farmer goes through? Think about it. What are the things that a farmer will have to go through? The heat, um, bad weather, diseases. And sometimes, you know, some of our crops die, right? And he doesn't even have a full control of the crops. And yet, He's faithful, faithful to his task. Amen? <clears throat> and I believe that Paul is saying that, you know, we have to endure. We cannot be impatient. The, the farmer doesn't like, you know, no fruits, okay, I'll give up. He is patient. He has to wait for the crops. 
And he, he can't just be like, yeah, I'm so lazy, lah. today I don't want to go to the farm. And you know, the funny thing about, I feel like this generation, like being lazy is no longer a bad thing. Like sometimes we celebrate lazy, you know, we're like, yeah, I'm so lazy. Lah. And, it, and we're like, the hardworking people, uh, you know, we have to be smart, you know. And, and if, you, if you were to check out like things like um, how to lose weight fast, right? Nobody wants to lose weight because they put so much effort, right? We always look for shortcuts. Um, and this generation, we're always looking for shortcuts. And I remember I was telling my husband, you know, I was looking at this advertisement of this thing called iGallop or something like that. It's like this device where you put around you and then it vibrates and then you kind of lose all your fats, right? And I was telling Isaac, wow, you know, if this really works, I don't mind, you know. And then my husband's looking at me and like, you want to lose weight? You just have to lose weight and work hard, like. you can't just like, you know, bypass this hard work, right? But a lot of us, right? I mean, if you go to the advertisements, where you see advertisements like, work very hard, then you'll get it, right? Internet, you want faster, you you know, we, we're always looking for shortcuts, right? We're always, technology is, you know, advancing so that we can drive it as convenient and as fast as possible, right? And so a lot of us, you know, we, we, we are quite malas, lah. we don't want to really work hard. And so it's kind of counterculture. And I was remembering, um, while I was doing this sermon, for some reason, uh, there was a song that was playing in my, my year. Um, it is quite an old song, some of you might know, but it's from Bruno Mars. And it, it goes like this. Today I don't feel like doing anything. Your singer, your Noah, I see. And this song is called The Lazy Song. And it's so popular because it's cool to be lazy. And, and that song goes on to say, I don't feel like doing anything. You know, I'm just going to lay in my bed and not even answer my, my phone. And, and that's the kind of culture that we're going through, right? So nobody celebrates, you know, working hard, being like this hardworking farmer. And sometimes without us knowing, we, we, we don't, we're not even ashamed to say I'm lazy. We're very openly saying, I'm very lazy to exercise today, lah. don't want to go. And, and so sometimes um, Paul is saying, let's be counterculture, right? Let's be hard working because only good things come when there's effort and time put in. Like you don't expect Michelin star food if you go to a fast food and you don't expect great coffee if you take instant coffee, right? So sometimes good thing comes only when we wait patiently and we endure and we work hard. And so Paul is saying to them like, you know, if you want to endure, you need to wait for it and you need to take time, but take heart because if you endure, you will receive the share of crops so that you know that when you labor, it's not in vain, right? You know that there is something positive coming out of it and that is when you can then focus on your roles and responsibility and then endure, okay? Amen? So we know that commitment is not cheap. It costs, it costs us something. And there is a discipline that is involved, you know? It's not just like, I commit today and then hopefully... Yeah, your commitment is to last, right? If you're committed in a marriage, whether you're committed to your job or whatever you commit to, it takes time, there needs to be a discipline, and you need to be faithful to the end, right? You can't just give up halfway along the way. And so I, I, in Hebrews 12, verse 7, you know, it actually says this very nice thing. It says, endure hardship as discipline. Verse 11, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak 
hands, weak knees. So I feel like Paul is telling us that we got to strengthen our feeble arms and weak knees. And you know, a lot of people always say, right, the younger generation now is strawberry generation. They never go through hardship. And then they say we're the snowflake generation. But I want to speak against that. I want to believe that we have our own share of hardships and that we can persevere, right? We can persevere and endure even if the internet is bad, right? We can persevere and endure even if life is getting difficult, right? I know I'm making fun, but I really do believe that, you know, that's why maybe sometimes circumstances happen in our life, because God is training us to be faithful to the the very end. And so my question for you today is, what is your commitment to Christ? Maybe some of you are like, actually, I never thought about it. Am I even committed to Christ? When you said, yes, Jesus, you are my Lord and my Savior, we like the Savior part, but then we're like, Yeah, I call Lord because I respect him. But do you know what Lord means? It means he's your master. It means that, you know, whatever he says goes. Have you ever thought, what are you committed to Christ? Are you committed to accept the discipline that he may give you? To endure hardship? And to join him in suffering? It's difficult. But I believe in Christ. All things are possible. Amen? Amen. So how do we endure? Everybody say? Cause. Yes, the last one is cause. What is the cause that you're willing to be committed to? And in verse 3, Paul says, Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Now, I know that um, there are a lot of causes that we have. There are a lot of good causes to fight for. But I always believe a cause that is worth fighting for is always the cause of Jesus Christ. And, and if, you, if, you, if you have a lot of cause, if you put a lot of effort and energy in something, I find that sometimes it may not always, um, it may not always end well. It, it, it may even bring you disappointment. But if your cause is in the Lord Jesus, you will find that it is of eternal value. And it is a cause that is worth fighting for. Because the cause of Jesus Christ is for eternity. It's not just for today, not just for this season, not even just for your family, but it's for generations to come. And so the cause of Jesus Christ must always be our ultimate cause. You know, we can have different causes, right? Different things that we're fighting for, but it must always be anchored with the cross of Jesus Christ. And in verse 8 to 10, Paul says this. Remember Jesus Christ? raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel for which I am suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus. And I believe that Paul says, he's not just saying, ah, you know, I am suffering because Jesus told me to, like, because I need to, or, but he is actually in chains because he says, for the sake of the gospel being preached so that people may be saved, because he knows the urgency of saving someone from eternal loss. And he knows that if he does not, if he does not go through 
you know, even if it takes him going to jail or in prison, even if it means being humiliated like a criminal, right? He's chained like a criminal. He says, you know, if I don't do this, people will perish. And it's important enough, and therefore he has the heart of Christ. He knows that Christ does not want anyone to perish, and therefore Christ's burden is his burden. And so the question is, are we even burdened by what Christ has? You know, we commit to a lot of things, but until you know the cause of Jesus Christ, it's very hard to commit. And so the cause, we need to know our cause because when we're going through troubles or hardship, we need to remind ourselves, why am I even doing this? The cause is the purpose for why we do what we do. Why do you come to church, right? Why do you serve in a ministry? Why do you even believe in Jesus? Do you know, like recently I was reading... Um, this article, and in the climate of, you know, the war that is happening, sometimes if you, you lean a bit to one side, you know, that people persecute you or, or, or people don't even want to uh, buy your business, uh, buy your, your goods because they want to boycott you for some reason because, you know, they feel like you're not aligned to their, their belief. And so sometimes it gets hard when we want to stand for the right thing and we want to stand for Jesus. And so God says you have to remember the cause. What is the cause that God has called you? so that when the tough gets going, you don't get running, right? So that you know that I'm doing this, I'm planted with this purpose, and so you will not waver and shake. Amen? Now, I just wanna share with you a little bit of my own story. Now, this is a picture of my two kids. Um, if you look at this picture, it's a picture of them uh, without other kids. Where is this? This is children's ministry. Um, and, and you know, this is after the end of the children's ministry. And for me, you know, um, that week when they were in children's ministry, I was like, I know that I was going to be uh, caught up with some ministry, and I know that my husband would be caught up in some ministry, and so I like prepared the children's ministry. Like, you know, I'd be a little late, and uh, Huija, where's Huija? She's here, I saw her just now. She's shy, Huija. She's like, I said, could you help me look after my kids for a while until I get get to them, and she's like, yeah, don't worry, uh, you know, they're safe, and true enough, they're safe, you know, the children's ministry are doing a great job, um, they, they, they take care of their children day in, day out, um, and, and then they have to, to cater to, to, you know, requests from, like, random people like myself, um, and so, you know, I was like, um, yeah, come watch over them, because I'll be a little late, um, but I'll come as soon as possible, and so after I was done with ministry, I ran down to get them, and when I was there, um, I was so heartbroken because they were the only ones there. Every single parent has taken their child and gone home. And they just sat there, just two of them. I'm, I'm thankful that there's two of them, right? I've got a tear, but yeah, there's two of them and they have each other, praise God. But I'm like, I felt like the worst mom guilt ever because they looked so sad. Like even though children's ministry, they were like giving them something to watch and entertaining them. But I could see, you know, that they felt a little sad that mommy and daddy didn't come pick them up and everybody picked them up and they were just left there for such a time. I know that this is not big hardship, like, wow, people are dying at wars, right? I'm like, my kids are safe, right? It's no big deal, right? But it was me, right? That was my hardship. I was like, wow, you know, is it worthwhile to be a pastor in this church? You know, why, why do I want to do this? Maybe just 
be a stay-at-home mom, right? It's a noble cause as well, right? Why not? And, and I get so discouraged sometimes. And this is not what happens every week, okay? Just in case you're wondering, my poor child, right? Um, every week, someone takes care of them. My mom or my mother-in-law, especially if I know um, they're all my sister, right? She's always, you know, my sister has like forfeited a lot of like overseas trips, free trips, just so that she can take care of the kids sometimes. God bless her soul. Um, but, but sometimes I feel like, yes, I could pass them on to people, but I'm not there. I'm not the one who picked them up. I'm, I had to leave them there for a while. And for maybe for some of you, it's like, eh, it's no big deal. Every day I leave my kids in the daycare, it's fine. But to me, I felt like, is it really worth it to do what I'm doing at this season? And then I'm like, maybe I heard wrongly from you, God. Maybe, why does it have to be so difficult? You know? Um, and, and I asked God, like, maybe, you know, I'm discouraged. And not just that, you know, after this whole, you know, me being very, feeling the bum guilt, right? And then a few weeks later, my kids had influenza A. And they had it twice in one month. I was like, the risk of reinfection for influenza A is so low. And yet they both took turns to get influenza A and they were like sick, right? And, and I was just wondering to myself, you know, um, I just want to give up. Um, I don't want to write any more emails. I, I, I'm like, people are chasing me for sermon slides and I'm like, I don't want to think about sermon slides right now. I only care about my kids right now. And, and, and I'm like, is this even worth doing? Is it even worth doing? And I had to remind myself, what was your call? What is the cause? And I had to go to God and say, you know what, God, yes, I am feeling a little sad and a little pity on myself because, you know, um, you know and, and I felt like, you know, it's just the enemy just trying to rob me and trying to make me feel really bad um, and all those kind of things, making me feel like, you know, not good enough. Maybe you should just give up serving. Um, just, you know, but God says, you know, I love the world that I gave my one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And I'm like, wow, I'm not even sacrificing my kids, right? It's just them waiting for me, right? And I'm already like, wow, so sad. I'm like, who am I? That God has laid down so much. What will I not do so that everyone also knows that there is this God that is willing to pay such a big price for them. And I ask God, you know, I do believe. I do believe in the cause of the church. I do believe that to some extent, the church is the glory of Jesus. And the church is the hope of the world. And yes, maybe my children might feel a bit sad that mommy and daddy's not always with them. And maybe, you know, they don't have the best home-cooked food and all that thing. But I hope that they know what's important which is God. It is Jesus that is important. I hope that many years down the line, when they become teenagers and they're in their rebellious stage, they will still say that church is important. I still want to be in the house of God and serve Him for all the days of my life because they saw that their parents serve God all the days of their life and that Jesus is worthy to serve, to be served. And so I tell myself that, yes, I am discouraged. And um, sometimes I feel like giving up. But that's when God says, draw your strength from me. Remember me. Remember Christ. And then he says, do you know your cause? Do you know your purpose? What have you been called for? Yes, you can be a stay-at-home mom, but what are the things that God has given you and the, 
the, the person that He has made you. Everybody is different. Not everybody has the same kind of call. And sometimes I wonder, God, why you give me this kind of call? You know, pick someone else, someone else to take up pastoral, pick someone else. Why me, right? And, and sometimes when we're in ministry or when we're standing up for the truths of Christ, it can even be in your workplace. When you're doing the right things for God, it can get difficult and you can be discouraged. You just want to just give in to the pressures. And that's where God says, hold on to your commitment because you know it is Christ that you serve. Amen. Amen. And hallelujah. I just want to end with this, you know. I just want to repeat this because I feel like it's such an encouragement. It says, if we die with Him, we will also live with Him. If we endure, we will also reign with Him. If we disown Him, He will disown us. But if we are faithless, He remains faithful for He cannot disown Himself. You know, when I read this, I'm always encouraged because I know there are times where I'm faithless. And I am a pastor, right? I'm like, I'm, sometimes I'm like, I'm not sure like I should be a pastor because sometimes my faith wavers a little bit. And I'm like, but God says that even when you are faithless, it's even more so that He is faithful. And I know that in my own flesh and in my own strength, I will never be good enough. But I know that the Christ I serve is faithful to the very end. And even when I trip up and even when I go through feelings of wanting to give up, I know that God will encourage me, not just through scripture, but through the church through communities, through friends. And I appreciate all the people that have walked and run, a, run the race with me because we are constantly encouraging one another. That's why the Bible says don't give up meeting and encouraging one another, spurring one another to good deeds. And I praise God for SIBKL because we can stand together. And I know that even though I may think like, wow, it's difficult to be a pastor, but I do believe that it will not be so difficult because I have people that run alongside with me, amen? All the other pastors, you know, all the other people that are serving together, I'm not the only one serving. There's so many people that are serving the Lord. Even today, you don't know what's His story, you don't know what's His story, but they're here, they're serving God. You don't know what's the story of those people at the PA that you don't even see their faces sometimes, but they are serving the Lord. Regardless of what's happening in their lives, they are serving the Lord week in and week out, even when they remain faithless he says, I will remain faithful. Hallelujah. And right now, if any one of you, you feel discouraged and you feel like, wow, you know, I, I feel like giving up. Or maybe some of you feel like I need that extra strength and grace from Jesus Christ. If that is you today, I would like you to just stand up right? If you feel like, Lord, I'm going through a hardship and I need your grace to come in because I cannot do this by myself, but I need the grace of Jesus. If that is you, and if you feel like I need that strength and encouragement to run with Jesus in this race, let me encourage you to stand up so that you know that, that we will always stand together in this church. Amen. I'm just going to give you some time to say, Lord, I depend on you, not on myself, not in my abilities. And there are times I am discouraged, be it at work, be it at ministry, or even with my family. 
I'm enduring some hardship and I want to just give up. Or maybe I just need that grace and strength for you. I just want to encourage you to stand up. And I'm just going to pray for you right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, Lord, that we do not stand on our own strength, but we stand on the strength of Christ, the foundation of our faith. That, Lord Jesus, that you are the author and perfecter of our faith. That you say, fix our eyes on the Lord Jesus. Do not turn to the left. Do not turn to the right. But focus upon the Lord because he is our deliverer. He is the one that will lift us up whenever we are going through hardship. He is the one that will lift us like eagle wings, Father Lord. We don't know what it means to be like eagle wings, but it means to soar, Father Lord, so that our life is a victorious Christian life and we do not but we do not feel so down and downtrodden because even when we're crushed God says look I am with you I am for you I will never leave you I will never forsake you and that the Lord will give you that strength to run this race that Lord that you are the one that is victorious and because you are victorious Lord we know that we stand upon the word of God and all your promises are yes and amen amen church hallelujah thank you Jesus let me just get you all to rise up as we worship the Lord I just want to say praise you Lord that even if we're going through difficulties and hardship we can depend on you and that in every circumstances we can speak Jesus into the circumstances amen hallelujah amen